Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 118 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How are you? I'm feeling very chilled out today, coming at you for date stamp purposes around about 10am on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. Are you having your Sunday morning coffee? Reading your newspaper? Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff. I uh, got some kind of, like, fairly heavy-duty stuff to do later on, so I'm kind of just, like, psyching myself up for that. Oh, yeah. You can't be looking forward to that. And you were also, by the way, coming at a weird time where Glasgow is kind of back in a weird kind of quasi-lockdown. Yeah, it's kind of a half-lockdown. You can't go to people's houses. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can still go to the pub, and you can still see all your pals anywhere else except in their house. Um, but it's a bit shite, because we had just kind of met up again. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a shame. It's like, we, like I could have come over and we could have done this at yours this morning. Yeah, yeah, I would have come. Got but, you. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, I, I can kind, I can kind of see the wisdom in it. But it's just, uh, it's just, a, it's a pain. It's, a, it's, it's disappointing when you're making progress and then you're kind of set back again. But here we are making the best of it, like we always do. How's your week been? It's been okay, Mitch. Uh, to be honest, I've had some filmy chats this week, which is exciting. It, it maybe feels like the wheels are starting to turn again on some stuff, which is nice. Cool. Um, I don't want to be one of those guys that keeps saying they're going to do loads of stuff and then never ever does it. No, but we're at an encouraging point, would you say? I would think so. I would think so. It's certainly things are starting to move again. Cautious optimism. Cautious optimism, yeah, of course. There's nothing else for it in this in these trying times. Exactly. Um, my week's also been all right. Uh, i got a couple of things that I've watched that I will kind of tie into the fact that I, obviously, the last time that you heard from us on a mini-sode, we were kind of halfway through Fright Fest. Of course, yeah. So I have got a couple of things to talk about from there. Well, why don't you do that now? Yeah. So obviously, uh, I mentioned four or five things that I really liked last week and a couple that I didn't. What I would say is <laughs> yeah. that um, I think that the festival and the lineup got considerably stronger as we moved towards the end of it, as we got into the second half. Okay. General consensus on a couple of things that I didn't see, people seemed to not like Aqua Slash very much. I heard that, and that was certainly one that, on the surface of it anyway, really piqued my interest. But uh, kind of disappointing to hear that there's actually very little slashing involved. Of an aquatic nature, no, uh, or otherwise, apparently not. But yeah, the general kind of consensus in that one was that it was this kind of quite drab slow burner masquerading as this very fun slasher, and it only really kind of shifts gears in the last quarter of an hour or so. Aqua Slash, I didn't see it, it clashed. Right. Um, with the ghost weights. <laughs> congratulations, by the way. Uh, apparently, film of the festival, and congratulations to Adam for picking up best director, and of course, a ghost waits picking up best film. And I think McLeod picked up best actor. Is that right? Best actor, yeah. Um, and very quick word on that. Just like I did mention on the minisode last week that I was kind of shitting myself about the premiere, and everyone was so lovely in terms of just like what they said on Twitter and what they messaged to me and things like that. So thank you very much for that. Except for me, I said I hated you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd expect no less. You know, I think if you'd done anything else, I would have been uncomfortable. I went boo. <laughs> <laughs> Closing day it started with enhanced, which I didn't like. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. But like that's just very much not my jam. Like pretty much any time that anybody does a big superhero leap out of a roof of a building to get out of a tight spot and people are walking around with glowing blue eyes and pulling out glowing blue sticks out of their pockets and stuff like that. It's kind of like that kind of like very fanciful, silly action sci-fi is just not for me at all. Right, okay. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say that it's terrible, but I was just like, this is so aggressively not for me. Sure, okay. What I will say is I did see uh, Blinders. Right. Which is this kind of, like, if I was going to compare it to anything, I would say it would be maybe like something like The Cable Guy. Okay. Where you have this guy who moves to a new city, doesn't know very many people, makes friends with uh, this kind of obviously fairly sketch. It's not Uber or Lyft. It's like Ride with a Y. One of those apps, like a, a driver for one of them. He makes friends with this guy and obviously that just gets kind of like heighteningly unsavory and goes in some quite smart directions i thought this really worked i really liked it actually i think that a lot of the success of the film proceeds on the basis that the main character is really likable okay uh so you kind of sympathize with him and you get on board with him and kind of his struggle and stuff and it's yeah it's 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 really good actually i really liked it and it has like a really really nasty twist that i really enjoyed um speaking of things that i didn't see that everyone said was great there was a film called av the hunt is the english title yes yeah yeah people are going crazy for that film i'm definitely gonna try and catch it at some point like i say i don't know too much about it but apparently it was just this kind of like absolutely heart racingly tense very violent experience sounds um, perfect yeah um it's one of those things i'm not sorry that i missed it because i was watching blinders at the same time and i'm really glad that i caught that but apparently everyone said that was great the closing film of the festival at least for us was the swerve oh yeah yeah i'm really interested in seeing this one actually yeah, it serves awesome. Uh, I really, really liked it as well. Uh, it is a like punishingly sad portrayal of someone's downward spiral. In this case, a woman played by Azura Sky, who won Best Actress for her performance in this, and mm-hmm. deservedly so. This is like an incredibly bleak film and it kind of was the subject of a lot of quite tiresome oh is it really horror though chats like it doesn't matter it's like it's it deals in this incredibly dark stuff thematically it does it really really well i think that there are parts of it that are certainly horrifying and that's good enough for me yeah yeah I, I, if that's the definition of horror is something that horrifies you then it sounds like this probably qualifies yeah it definitely it definitely achieves that i think that i don't i'm not gonna say too much about where it goes but there is a point near the end where you realize that something's happened. Mm-hmm. And genuinely, I was watching it with, I think, uh, like three, four other people. And we all just, when we realized something had happened, we were all just, oh, Christ. And it's like, he- like head in the hand stuff. <laughs> I-, I think that like it's so rare that films kind of uh, inspire those reactions. So, yeah, it's absolute, like, relentless misery. But it is great. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so don't watch it if you're already having a bad day. But, yeah, The Swerve is really tremendous. I think that... Uh, if I was comparing the main character's decline and the nature of that performance, there's shades of Essie Davis in The Babadook. Right, sure. In there, I would say. But yeah, Swerve, awesome. Very quickly as well, um, we're just going to touch on the fact that the Rob Savage host Tales from the Crypt episode is obviously on the back burner indefinitely at the moment. Yep, Rob is just far, far, far too busy, but we do have something else host adjacent in the pipeline. Rob actually did a really cool thing when we realised that this wasn't going to pan out. He kind of pointed us in the direction of someone else, and I'm not sure when this will happen yet, but we are working on something that I think is going to be really fun. I think so. Um, but I just want to touch really quickly on the fact that uh, we did mention that Rob had picked Tales from the Crypt 1972 sure, yeah. as his film. And obviously in advance of theoretically recording, I'd watched it. And I just want to mention the fact that I watched Tales from the Crypt 1972 this week and I thought it was fucking brilliant. Like, absolutely loved it. One of the best anthologies I've seen in ages. I really thought it was fantastic. I think it's one of the best anthologies ever made. 
Yeah, I would say, like, I mean, I have a hard time, uh, I have a hard time arguing with you there. I thought it was absolutely superb. Um, apart from one obvious exception, that is the full extent of my viewing. This week, do you have anything? I'm sorry to say, much that the kind of bleakness that you were talking about with the swerve, uh, might have filtered somewhat into my viewing, because what I watched was pretty bleak as well. Okay. I went on to Shudder and watched The Wind. Oh, right, okay, yeah, uh, kind of like a folklore horror Fright Fest original, Fright Fest Presents film? Yeah, yeah, um, as far as I'm this played Fright Fest last year mm-hmm. uh, and now it's available on Shudder and I think it is available elsewhere via Fright Fest Presents but yeah this is a pretty bleak lonely experience as well it's like a period piece isn't it? it is yeah yeah it's kind of it's set in the, the, the plains of America in the late 1800s right around about a time where people are kind of trying to settle the land and it's a, a woman and her husband in this incredibly bleak barren inhospitable area very much early doors of people moving there, so there's no one around for miles and miles and miles. Um, and then this other couple move in nearby, and things start taking this darker turn, and then, and then those questions kind of posed as to whether the character is suffering from a kind of mental breakdown, or if there's a demonic involvement. Okay. Um, and it just gets increasingly darker and darker and more bleak as it continues to hop across timelines. I quite enjoyed it. I was going to say, it sounds quite smart, yeah. Yeah, it's anchored by a really good central performance from Caitlin Gerrard, who does the I'm a mad or I'm a possessed thing pretty well. Okay. It's sumptuously short. Like it, You really get a sense of the enormity of the kind of planes and the, the loneliness of where they are. Cool. Okay. That's important. I think a bob just hit my window. Oh my god. I did wonder what that noise was. Did you hear that? Did that thud register? I thought it did, yeah. Oh, well, okay, we'll, we'll leave that in. That's, uh, that's a strange thing. I hope it's I hope it's okay. I hope it's just dazed. Yeah, with any luck. Um, so, was the wind the full extent of your viewing? Pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. I've been busy, Mitch. I've got a baby who's pretty much walking about now. Yeah, I can uh, I can imagine that that gets kind of challenging. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. His uh, new thing is picking up the remote control and pausing and rewinding stuff. So, uh, All right, okay. <laughs> as you can imagine, that makes watching things... Uh, excruciating certainly trickier yeah for sure so yeah that's the full extent i guess of all of our viewing for this week then but i do want to say very quickly on the fright fest thing like a big well done to everyone on the team for another year well done and i would say that like this was obviously an unusual thing to try and i would Mm. say that it largely worked and the standard of film i think was kind of like variable but ultimately i think more good than bad right okay i mean it's variable when the festival's actually the, uh, like in the flesh, as it were. Yeah, it's kind of the nature of the beast, I guess. Uh, and that's true of all festivals. And I um, also just want to give a shout-out to our pal Film Fans TV as well, who, avid film watcher, but had to kind of surrender some of that time uh, this weekend to uh, run in the social medias for Fright Fest, as he does. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, uh, so I can't imagine that that was uh, kind of like a light duty over the weekend, especially when there was like kind of tech stuff flying around and things like that. So yeah, true. I think Stevie's worth a mention there as well. Yeah, well done, Stevie. You the man. So. Yeah. Mitch wants you since from the 90s. He sure does. So, uh, this was actually a collaboration from the Chud Locker. Oh. Uh, So, we had Andrew Barron Mm -hmm. uh, posted saying, I'm watching a film called Happy Hell Night. Right, okay, and uh, this, this is not just a renaming of the Linda Blair film. No, no, no. Uh, this apparently is also released uh, as Frat Night. Sure, okay. Uh, in some territories, which I actually think is a better title, because I think that it's a funny play on words. But yeah, Happy Hell Night, 
Andrew Barron said he was watching it, and uh, I think a couple of people chimed in. I can't remember everyone, but Stephen Wales definitely said he was going to check it out, and Laura mentioned that she was going to watch it, and I was like, fuck it, let's all watch it. Um, <laughs> so I watched Happy Hell Night yesterday, and it is about, uh, well, it's fundamentally, it starts with there are seven frat pledges who are murdered by like a mad priest. Right, okay. Um, I think, I think 90- this is available on the Slasher Classics collection. Oh, that would make sense, yeah. And then, it basically, that happens, and then there's a 25-year chronology hop to uh, another Hell Knight at that fraternity. Obviously, they unwisely kind of look to kind of go back to the well on the whole Mad Priest thing, and things kind of escalate from there. So, I watched this yesterday while I was doing some Minnesota preparation and uh, having a pint. And I realized very quickly that I would have to angle my laptop at a very specific angle so people couldn't see over my shoulder because uh, this film is full of violence and nudity. Yeah, I did have to be, um, I did have to be uh, a little bit aware of my surroundings. It's daft. It's like nonsense, actually. Very little dialogue in this that isn't just geared towards moving the plot forward. Very few things that humans would actually say. In the spirit of that, Andy, I would like to do a first, if you'd like. Uh, there was a part near the start of this film where um, I remember listening to the dialogue and I was like, this is hilariously like over-expository. Right. Uh, but also, because this is a film that didn't realise the 80s were over. Okay. And there's and there's a very kind of like, did you guys get a load of the nerd undercurrent to the chat? So what I've done actually is I have transcribed a piece of conversation from an early scene in the film and I've just sent it to you there. Yeah, I can see that. I was wondering if you would like to do a dramatic reading of it with me um, and play the character of Jake. Jake, right. Yeah. Sure. So you'll sure, see that yeah. this is an exchange between Ralph and Jake. Ralph being a kind of like fumbly nerd character and Jake being kind of like a frat boy stereotype. Are you, uh, th- th- this feels pointed that you've made me some douchey frat boy. Well, I've made myself the nerd. Take what you want from that as well, you know. <laughs> I don't think that this was going to work out well for either of us. Um, so do you have that in front of you now? I do, I do, I do have it here. (laughs) Okay. Exterior, the quad, day. (laughs) I'm glad you've set the scene, so at least I know where I am, I know my surroundings. Sure. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Action. Hey, Jake, wait up. Slow down, Ralph. You're gonna have a heart attack. I've been looking all over for you. Well, okay, you found me. Start talking. Look, man, I definitely want in. What, to Pi Delta? Yeah. (sighs) Give me a break. You didn't make any varsity teams this year. You didn't even make the equestrian team. You got scared and fell off the horse. Ah, come on, Jake. You know you spooked my horse. Well, how you gonna manage handling this initiation stunt we're gonna throw you tonight? Look, tonight's hell night. If I don't get in tonight, I'll have to wait another year. You know my dad'll cut me off. Yeah, and if we don't win this competition for the biggest stunt, the initiation stunt, tonight, we lose the competition. Why should I let you? Why don't you give me a chance? Let me think about it. And scene. So this is a level of nonsense that you're dealing with basically the entire film. Wow, okay. Because anyone who was listening to that, you may have noticed that there was a line there that was literally, if we don't win this competition, we lose the competition. I see that. I can also see that it appears that Ralph's dad has real stakes in whether or not he gets into this fraternity. Um, yeah, which I think is really funny as well. But yeah, uh, happy Hell Night is out there. Um, thank you for doing that with me. That was fun. Uh, I'm happy to add all these little weird things into our minisodes. This um, won't be the last dramatic reading now, I fear. Oh, unless everybody else out there thinks that that was self-indulgent tripe, then I think that this would be a fun thing to do. <laughs> Watch your Twitters go mad with, yes, <laughs> self-indulgent tripe. Self-indulgent tripe, I can confirm. Okay, moving swiftly on then. Yeah. What have they been saying? It is feedback time, and they have been saying plenty this week once again. Mm. Some of which, of course, centering on 
the return of Jill Gavargazian to the show for the third time as we took a look at Anaconda Hoffspring this week. Oh, very droll. So I have a couple of things on that. Um, some excitement greeting the announcement here. Some people happy that Jill was coming back. But some excitement simply about the film choice. Einfach Andre, uh, Andre Martins on Twitter. As a German, of course I gladly heard that you'll be shining a light on another flawless masterpiece in the filmography of our lord and saviour Hasselhoff. Hashtag Hoff topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, he single-handedly brought down the wall. <laughs> yeah, so I'm told. Um, and also, uh, Canel getting in touch at Kolak on Twitter. Yes, none of this cinema released bullshit this time. CGI is one step up from Nokia Snake. <laughs> which is which is fair enough, I think. Uh, but yeah, that's about it from uh, Anaconda. You got anything uh, you want to mention? I've got loads of stuff here. I've got loads of stuff. First, James Patrick Duffy, a man insane, clearly. He sent us a photograph of his recent very productive purchase run for the Strong Language Violence Scenes collection. There's a pile of DVDs that he has presumably spent his own money on, uh, <laughs> including Ghoulies and Ghoulies 2, the, the, the same set that I've got, actually. Okay. Uh, Freaks, which I, I approve of, Rubber, Open Windows, Hellboy, Orphan, Aeon Flux, Congo, Zombievers, Friday the 13th Part 8, and the Bye Bye Man. He spent money on the Bye Bye Man to own it. Wow. So did we, to be fair. We both rented it like lunatics. James, that is a hell of a collection. That's some run. Also, you are not going to enjoy those films, or at least some of them. Yeah, there's a lot of those there that you might as well just music magpie right now. Yeah, there are a few watch once and destroy choices in there. However, like Orphan, Zombievers, those things are fun. You'll enjoy those. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, elsewhere, I have a couple on Beyond the Door, and I think you do too. Yes, I've got some stuff, yeah. Um, Stephen Wales on Facebook saying uh, that he watched this last week and uh, the Exorcist Omen Portergeist similarities aside, it was the kids that were hugely disturbing with their adult voices and the boys' obsession with soup. <laughs> uh, uh, this yep. was something we didn't really touch on in the episode, but it's something that I've noticed previously, and I meant to mention it, uh, and I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but uh, was handing your kid a tin of soup with a straw in it as a snack really a thing in the 70s? And he's uh, really... shared a photo of the young the young lad there whose name escapes me at this point. Oh, his name was his name was like Keith or something. <laughs> uh, drinking from a can of Campbell's soup. Now there's a bit in the in the film where you see her packing the bags to send the kids away, mm-hmm. and she packs what appears to be a suitcase entirely full of tins of Campbell's soup. <laughs> Which is weird. And I also noticed that the little girl was constantly reading a book. Uh, again, the, the title escapes me at this point. But she has like 20 copies of that book. Right, okay. <laughs> staying with Beyond the Door, um, and actually staying with the soup thing, uh, Andrew Barron got in touch saying, Two questions. One, how much of this film's budget was provided by Campbell's soup product placement? And not insignificant amount, is my response. <laughs> and also, two, is this the first Strong Language Violent Scenes episode to feature a carry-on actor? Oh, uh, I'm going to open up the floor on that one. That's the kind of question that Kevin Matthews is really good at answering. There's bound to be like a carry-on actor in something like Night Train to Terror or... Yeah, I think that those kinds of things. Or House of Mortal Sin. House of Mortal Sin was what I was going to say, yeah, as well. Um, I would say that, yeah, there's almost there's almost certainly another. But Andrew, the answer to your question is I can't name one mm, off the no. top of my head. I want to say a quick little panda as well, the prettiest dunce on Twitter, who got in touch uh, to agree with me on something, so always welcome. Uh, <laughs> catching up on the Beyond the Door episode, and I agree with who else but Mitch. Satanic monstrosities unleashing a string of threats and insults that sound like Blink-182 lyrics can fuck off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can kind of understand your annoyance at the demonic dirty chat. Yeah, demonic dirty chat is not really my vibe. Especially in this film. Yeah, I think that it kind of falls particularly flat here. Uh, do you have anything else on Beyond the Door? Uh, no, I don't. 
Okay, cool. I have one more, then I'll let you bring it home. Oh. Uh, but uh, Laura Bynan getting in touch. Last week we were talking about the fact that when my 90s side quest is over, it may be time for the questing torch to be passed on to you. Yeah, I would like that. And we are looking for some ideas for what you could watch or a theme that you could work through and stuff. Uh, Laura suggested weird 70s exploitation, things like pigs and scream bloody murder and uh, love butcher and stuff like that, which I think would be a fairly labour-intensive side quest. Yeah, well, I've already seen two of those titles. Okay, um, <laughs> so that's the first real suggestion that we've had uh, on that. But yeah, we're looking for a side quest to replace the 90s side quest, which is coming to an end, I would say. You've barely this time, scratched the surface. I know, but to be fair, it's 10 years worth of films. Give me a break. <laughs> but yeah, we're looking for suggestions for a side quest for Andy. So all the usual channels, if you have any ideas for that. So yeah, that's a lot for my feedback. So uh, if you want to take from here... I'm going to give you something from Chris Skelp on Facebook. Okay. After ending Fright Fest with two harrowing realist movies, I needed something less traumatic to watch last night. So continuing the Fright Fest link, I watched Gremlins 2, as hey. recommended by Adam Stovall, best director of the festival no less. What a blast that was. Loved the absolute ridiculousness and then really enjoyed listening to the episode today. One of the most entertaining I've heard. I reckon that is also helped by it being very obvious. Everyone is getting more pissed as it goes on. That is certainly true. Of that mm. episode, uh, that was a, that was a great thing actually. That was a, that's our last in person guest. It was, yeah. That yeah. was the last time we had a guest in person back in March when Adam came on and did Gremlins Tea with us. Do you remember when Adam was here? We were joking about COVID as if it was this kind of little thing that wasn't really going to have a massive impact. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, you should probably get home before all this thing happens. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, no idea where we would <laughs> end up with that. Uh, you got anything else? So yeah, I've got a few things I'm just going to quickly race through. This is all people who are giving us a little insight into what they're doing while they're listening to us. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, so uh, Hanny underscore Ray saying, This is the longest I've been late to listen to a new Strong Violent PC Minnesota in ages. I also didn't oh. go jogging yesterday. These two things are oh. definitely linked. <laughs> no coincidence. Okay, so okay, so that's presumably then how we fit into uh, to Hannah's routine then. Yep. Some people listen on their commute. Hannah's obviously listening while she's uh, exercising. Noble. Yeah. Imagine exercising. Wow. <laughs> Cosmic Ray Girl Alexis saying podcasting in the play park. This is a dangerous new trend. It's the real pandemic. Mm, what I would also say is. Uh, don't get too wrapped up in what we're saying and take your eye off the ball with your children because there's a scene in Wes Craven's New Nightmare that always haunts me and it's when that little boy kind of climbs up to the top of the, the slide or whatever it is, like the top of the, the Helter Skelter or whatever, and he's kind of reaching up to the heavens to be with his dad. Oh, God. And then he kind of falls off and he's he's caught at the bottom by Langenkamp and Saxon, the dream team. <laughs> You've actually reminded me that um, I want to watch New Nightmare as part of the 90s side quest. Oh, okay. Because uh, people keep talking to me about it and it sounds like, given that I quite like that series anyway, or the ones that I've seen, and I like weird meta bullshit, it sounds like something I would enjoy. I think you would like it. I think you'd like yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Alexis, keep an eye on your kids, please. <laughs> Okay. Grant Sherman at Pollock Perlow getting in touch to say, Bank Holiday Skelpin. Uh, a new venue for Strong Violent PC listening. Uh, certainly not one we've seen before. Grant is listening to us at the driving range. That may be a first. Yeah, whacking some golf balls. Excellent, good stuff. Thanks to everybody for letting us know what you were up to while you were checking the episode out this week. Like I say, I, th I always find that really pretty interesting. Uh, you got anything mm. else? One last thing. Uh, Kevin Matthews at Saltire Popcorn. Just uh, reminding me, uh, he's saying that this continuity thread of us watching the Anaconda series, as entertaining mm -hmm. and amusing as it is, has reminded me, uh, did I give up my watch of Baywatch? Oh yeah, Baywatch Nights. 
Yeah, well, but I hadn't even got close to Baywatch Nights yet. I was still on, the, I guess, the main series. You may recall, maybe a year or two ago, I was going through a phase of watching Baywatch and putting a small kind of synopsis and my thoughts on each episode on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, I remember. Yeah, um, something I'd be keen to pick up to be honest, because I found it quite relaxing viewing. Okay, cool, yeah, therapeutic. You need that, so, especially now, in these yeah, times. Yeah, so Kevin, maybe maybe I'll go back to, to Baywatch. I'll, I'll pick up and Baywatch and just inject a little sun into my life rather than the, the drab bleakness of impending winter. What could be better as winter <laughs> approaches? This minisode, by the way, is picking up an unremittingly bleak kind of through line. Yeah, don't be fooled by the jolly facade. This entire thing is uh, underpinned by a very real existential nihilism. <laughs> anyway, it is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. The title and tagline will have been removed. Only the image will remain. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, give it a title and a synopsis. We will share this everywhere so you guys can join in. Uh, always the best part. Uh, last week, we did have a Dr. Butcher MD. Yeah, a.k.a. Zombie Holocaust. Yep, reappropriated by me as Lumberquack. Scream for your life. <laughs> Still delivering that with utter glee. Yeah, it's, I, I do think it's quite good. Um, right, uh, we do have some pitches this week. Um, a whole load, actually, and a couple of first-timers, no less. Oh, that's always exciting. Uh, so, we had Ricky Moonga. Oh, okay. A handyman who has an enjoyment for giant polos and the mighty bush has been mistaken for a Kenneth Williams impersonator at a carry-on convention, which leads to a series of unfortunate yet very British clumsy occurrences. Once experiencing a lot of double entendres and scantily cladded wannabe Barbara Windsors, he Pratt falls in such a way that he will forever have a surgical blade for a middle finger. Bonus, he's left-handed. That's life's a surgical ordeal. <laughs> Uh, Ash Lloyden getting in touch. Oh, cool. Cliff Pate, head food expert at the Sugary Ring Donut Factory, is caught in a massive <laughs> yeast-based explosion when trying to mix jam and icing to create a new flavour. Strawberry stained and with a solidified donut embedded in his skull, he seeks <laughs> he seeks revenge on the factory's owner by stealing her daughter's Barbie collection. Now, Ash pitched that and didn't give us a title. Oh. So I was like, can I have a title for that? He didn't pitch a title, but Kim Millward did. Right, okay. <laughs> She was like, how about Donut Disturbed? <laughs> so a commendable team effort there, I think. Yeah, I love uh, that. Yeah, really good. Uh, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, as ever, right in there, lightning quick. Gloria Hunter regrets opening her old-timey inn in New York City next to the morgue entrance of Bellevue Hospital after making the acquaintance of the suspicious Dr. Simon Kotick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Could he be responsible for more of his own clients? 1975's Morgue Than Meets the Eye? Okay. <laughs> Einfach Andre on Instagram. Wow! To get her career in adult film started, young up-and-comer Laurie Hole gets a boob job at the cheapest clinic in town, run by mentally deranged Dr. Willie Schneider, who escaped prison in Bavaria and fled to New York. Now he works as a surgeon for B-movie and porn stars, making an absolute killing until Laurie reminds him of his long-gone wife. His murderous side comes back to life as he kidnaps his patients and starts killing everyone involved in her last film. Revisit this rightfully forgotten 1985 slasher look who's stalking. Okay, good, good. Got a CP Buckley here. Okay. Uh, Linda Bigchest is accidentally committed to Bellevue Asylum, where she's put under the care of Dr. C.R. Azy, phoning this in a little bit, who uses his <laughs> patients for his own nefarious experiments. 
When Linda is brought to a lab filled with the doctor's genetic abomination, she finds out the reason she was committed when she sees her father's body, fused with that of a hyena. Oh my. Now she has to try and escape, stop the doctor, and try to stop her father jumping her leg every ten minutes since the 1975 gonzo comedy horror, The Hospital, The Lady, and The Dog Father. <laughs> And finally, we have Kevin Matthews on Facebook. While walking around his father's fruit salad factory, little Cedric Citrus ends up running away from the workers with sharp knives and getting a silver-plated pineapple ring paperweight driven into his skull. Everyone assumes the injury kills the boy, but alas, no. It's only years later that Cedric returns to go on a killing spree involving various fruits that the papers start to report under the headline, When Life Gives You Lemons. (laughs) It's a very, very bad time for the people who end up sliced and diced in 1988's The Man from Del Monte. He says, No! (laughs) <laughs> fuck's sake yep that's your lot this week okay uh, I'm going to give it to the newcoming double team of Ash and Kim that's fair enough <laughs> yeah um, yeah the tag team Ash handles the synopsis Kim handles the title perfect yeah best character name uh, I, I, I don't really know I'm going to give it to the only one I can remember Laurie Hole from from Andres. Okay, cool. Uh, so, um, a share of the nothing for Ash and Kim, and uh, also to Andre. Thanks very much for getting in touch, everybody. Um, always good to hear everybody's pitches. That was a strong week, but that was some eccentric stuff that was getting trotted out there. It was, but do you know what's good, Mitch? You're saying it's a share of the nothing. That's the good thing about nothing. You see, you can take as much or as little as you want. This is very true. Um, okay, I guess it's my turn then. It is. Uh, are you ready? Uh, yeah, let's do this. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Right, okay. So uh, the border to this image is white. Mm. Uh, The bottom, like, third or so of the image is blank, which is where I'm assuming you've removed all the text. We are looking at a skyline over what appears to be like an island full of suburban neighbourhoods. Okay. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. We're looking at that from across the water. However, I think that it's fair to say that the main focal point of this image is what is going on in the sky. Sure. Which is uh, lightning, fire, (laughs) and a giant disembodied fist. Yes, so within the fist, we can see a kind of like scaly looking killer head on the right, a couple of other deformed beasts kind of reaching forward, a screaming blonde woman, mm-hmm. and also a pair of eyes looking outward on a kind of like monstrous or kind of sunken looking face. Right. Uh, looking dead eye straight into the camera slash at the viewer. So a uh, fist full of uh, screaming women, uh, demonic eyes, and marauding hell beasts occupies a skyline over an island full of suburban houses. Yep, a fistful of figures. Yes, yeah. Okay, I will need a moment, because I have an idea, and I think that this might take a sec. Okay, uh, you've got it. Okay. Imagine looking out your window and seeing that. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I can't guarantee that I'd know what to do with it. No, no, I think it would melt my mind. I think that's fair, I would say, under the circumstances. I'd just draw my blinds and go and lie under the blankets. Yeah, just be like, I'm sure that'll take care of itself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd just be like, nah, this is, I'm not equipped for this. Yeah, that's a hard no. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> right, okay. Oh, good God, this, this is quick. Right, um, uh, just a sec. Like, Can't believe you missed a talon on that uh, fist, by the way. Uh, very neglectful of me, I would say. Right, okay, uh, I'm not going to lie, this one this one rewards long-time listeners, I would say, slightly. I've got a feeling I know where you're going to go with this. Okay, 
Having survived the savage attack from the titular monster at the conclusion of the third film, but left horribly disfigured by the accident, former aspiring model turned paranoid recluse Mariana Closehorse now lives a life of quiet seclusion, hoping against hope that her torment is over and regular life can resume. However, her peaceful anonymity is disrupted when her sleepy hometown is disrupted by a series of murders, with the killer's MO a disturbing mirror of the work of the clawed marauder, the earthbound human form of the monster famously electrocuted and banished to the depths of hell in part two. <laughs> Soon she's contacted by another of the tormented, Leonora Wilkes, who emerges from witness protection to team up with Mariana, an eccentric priest and part-time demonologist Roland Exposition, to stop the monster once and for all. A widely panned attempt to revive an ailing franchise, the saga comes to a shatteringly unsatisfying conclusion in 1999's poorly considered reptilian revamp, The Curse of Snake Fist 4. If you ain't fist, you're last. <laughs> Well, that is an extensive series that you've put together there. That series embodied a number of um, different stories with disparate characters, so it was an attempt to bring them all together for the grand finale. Yeah, kind of like the Avengers. We bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snake Fist Assemble. However, more to the point, what is this really, and who's our synopsisizer? Okay, well, I can tell you you're 11 years out. <laughs> 1988 then, okay. Yep. And the film is Zombie Flesh Eaters 3. Ah, okay, right. I didn't know that that existed, I don't think. Uh, Directed by, by the way, Lucio yeah. Fulci, mm-hmm. Bruno Mattei, right. and, of course, everyone's favourite terrible Italian director, Claudio Fragasso. Way fuck off, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, as far as I can remember, there was something about Fulci being ill or kind of his health was ailing a little bit, and he brought Fragasso and Bruno Mattei on to kind of do a lot of directing stuff on it, or it was done after or something like that anyway. But uh, it's still very much credited to Fulci, but Bruno Mattei and uh, Fragasso did a lot of work on it. Cool, okay. So, uh, who's synopsizing this week? Uh, I'm not sure we've ever had this character before. This is uh, Scott Lister. On IMDb? That sounds like a new name to me. Yep, well, well, he's saying... When a terrorist's body infected with a stolen chemical is recovered by the US military, the corpse is cremated, unintentionally releasing the virus slash bacteria into the atmosphere over a small island. Oh my. Soon, the infected populace mutate into flesh-hungry zombies, and a trio of soldiers on leave must team up with a group of tourists and board themselves up in an abandoned hotel as they try to fend off the agile and aggressive living dead. Wow, okay, this any good? No, it's there's moments of fun to be had in it. Like there's a moment a guy opens a fridge and a head flies out and attacks him. Oh, nice, okay, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But that's about it. Okay, so that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere if you want to join in. We would love to hear from you, of course. Uh, turn our attentions to the streaming platforms for this week, then. Yeah. Um, a few things here. Uh, Netflix first, then. I've, in fact, Amazon Prime first, because it doesn't have anything. Netflix, though, uh, Tuesday the 8th of September, we have Hashtag Alive. Okay, what's this? Uh, as a grisly virus rampages through a city, a lone man stays locked inside his apartment, digitally cut off from seeking help and desperate to find a way out. Cool, so Zombie Flesh Eaters 3. Yeah, uh, basically. Also, we've got The Handmaiden, which is not a horror film, but is very eccentric. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. A con man's plan to steal an heiress's heart and her fortune gets complicated when she falls for the handmaid he hired to help with his scheme. Mm, it's very sexy. It's pretty sexy. On Thursday the 10th of September, we have also got um, a sequel that a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, the Babysitter, Killer Queen. Oh, 
yeah, of course. Two years after Cole survived a satanic blood cult, he's living another nightmare. High school. And the demons from his past still making his life hell. Um, I saw the trailer for this at the weekend, and it really doesn't look like my thing at all, but I really, really like The Babysitter, so I'll definitely give it a watch. Yeah, I'll check it out as well. I quite like The Babysitter. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Uh, also, on Shudder this week, on Monday, we've got The Mummy. One by one, the archaeologists who discovered the 4,000-year-old tomb of Princess Ananka are brutally murdered. Karis, a high priest in Egypt centuries ago, has been brought to life by the power of the ancient gods, and his sole purpose is to destroy those responsible for the desecration of his tomb. Okay. And finally, on Sky Cinema this week, on Saturday the 12th of September, we've got Don't Let Go, which is a Bloomhouse film starring uh, David Oyelowo. Okay. Detective Jack's niece, Ashley, is killed in what seems to be a murder-suicide. He soon discovers he can somehow communicate with Ashley in the past, and together they try to reverse the tragic event. Right. Okay. Never heard of that. No, me neither, actually, uh, which is weird, given that it is one, a Bloomhouse film, and two, has some kind of decent star power behind it as well. Yeah. That's your lot for this week. I would say, for a pick, uh, The Handmaiden is great, but in terms of just something that has piqued my curiosity just because I like the original, I would say also The Babysitter, Killer Queen. So both of those on Netflix, that's The Handmaiden from Tuesday and Killer Queen from Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to agree with both of those selections, Mitch. Cool, okay. Turning our attention then to this week's show, and uh, we do have not one guest, but two. Oh, it's been a long time since we had two guests. That would have been the, the Pierce Brothers? Uh, yes, yeah, it would be. The now uh, world-renowned Pierce Brothers, the record-breaking Pierce Brothers. But yeah, we do have two guests this week, and it's kind of tying in with the Fright Fest theme. Yeah, yes, of course. He is the director and writer of The Honeymoon Phase. She is the star of The Honeymoon Phase. We have Philip G. Carroll Jr. and Chloe Carroll joining us this week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. And uh, yeah, we're uh, revisiting a franchise that we haven't been to for quite a long time. No, we have not. And the last time we did was an Andy vs. Mitch episode. I think maybe like pretty close to the beginning, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say we're maybe close to two years ago at this point. I would say. Yeah, but uh, rather than tell you right away what it is, I think I'll let the theme tune do the talking. Yes, of course, we are returning to the Saw franchise for the third instalment, wittily titled Saw 3. I could not be happier about this. Excited? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, like, I love the Saw films, or at least if I don't love them, I have very particular opinions about them. I think that this, this film is not without its problems, but it sits in a really curious spot in the series. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really interesting, and I kind of feel like, for reasons that we'll get into, I can't. I kind of feel like you can't talk about Saw 3 without talking a little bit about Saw 4 as well. Yeah, which I don't like. Yeah, I think of the two, Saw 4 would be the harder one to defend. Agreed. However, Philip and Chloe Carroll, the director and star, respectively, of The Honeymoon Phase, have chosen Saw 3, and we'll be talking to them about that this Friday. How are you feeling about that? If you want to get in touch with us and share some thoughts, then there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram. We are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email Scenes at gmail.com, and you can, of course, also get in on our ever-expanding community on Facebook and our Facebook group, The Child Locker. Yeah, and of course, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes we will have some patreon exclusive content we've changed up the the schedule a little bit we are going to be releasing patreon content on wednesdays and um, because then you get your monday minisode you get your patreon content on a wednesday you get your main episode on a friday and yeah yeah that way you're n- we're never that far away from you yeah, that's kind of the new plan. So we do actually have like a load of stuff planned for uh, September. If you are in on those tiers, then you'll have hopefully seen a post 
uh, just lately, kind of talking about the things that are upcoming. But yeah, if you want to go over and get in on the action and check that out, that is patreon.com slash scenes. We are back this Friday talking Saw 3 with Philip and Chloe Carroll. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.